the peace that I get from adoration is is it's it's me and him, you know. Mass is about the community, you know. It's about the communion and everybody being there. Of course, Jesus and the angels and saints and our blessed mother are listening to us then, but when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, it's literally just him and us, you know, him and me by ourselves, and we're just communicating as though there's nobody there but us. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for IamHere.org. And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit. And today we welcome our guest, Jason Smith, to share his story. Welcome, Jason. Hi, how you doing, guys? Good, good. We're so glad to have you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good. Wonderful. Um, Jason, what parish are you part of here in the Detroit area? St. Scholastica Parish in Detroit. Wonderful. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, family life, work you do. Well, right now I'm a single father with three young boys, um, 15, 13, and 9. So I'm rushing to and from work and to get them to and from school the best as I can. Uh, I work for General Motors and um, very active in my parish, maybe sometimes too much, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 all glory to God. Um, I try to do a, a lot of uh, media work, okay. in not only in the parish but in in the secular settings. That's kind of my background that I do on the side. Um, I've been doing that for about I want to say about fifteen years now. Mm-hmm. So I'm familiar with all the equipment and things that's going on. <laughs> yeah. um, I do have a social media presence, and that kind of keeps me uh, engaged with the secular world and it gives me an opportunity to share the gospel Mm. so i mean there's a range of other things of course i like i like detroit sports (laughs) well you certainly are busy yeah i am yeah that's awesome awesome very cool well um jason we're so excited to dive into your story once again thank you for sharing it with us on i am here um so you you've got this awesome story which kind of begins um on this retreat experience but i'd like to kind of back things up a little a little further can you share a little bit about um how you first encountered jesus did you grow up with faith in him what did your faith look like as a young person and and growing up um into young adulthood you know i remember um, my first communion, but I, I mainly remembered the classes that I was going through. It was a very small community of uh, Catholics that were at St. Scholastica grade okay. school. Wow. Um, and I do remember that. Now, unfortunately, I went through a viral encephalitis when I was really young, and I don't remember very much of, you know, things before I was like seven years old. But oh, I do wow. remember those classes that I was in. They were very small. I was always intrigued about um, religion class, which is what they called it then. And, and, um, I was, I was always drawn to just the openness of, of it. I always felt like other classes were like, okay, you know, this is a math class and it's going to be done. Mm-hmm. I always felt like religion was never going to be finished. I felt like it was going to be every single year. So, uh, I do remember, I think I was in the seventh grade and, we were, I can't remember, I just remember the workbook that was open, mm-hmm. and it, it asked, who is Jesus? And I remember saying that Jesus is the replacement for God not being on earth. And when the teacher looked over my shoulder and read that, she looked at me and I looked at her, and it was almost like she was thinking of something that I didn't know what was going on. Like, yeah, this kid's going to be a priest. <laughs> <laughs> so so I do remember that. Um, 
of course, there weren't that many Catholics around, mm. so the community was kind of vague mm. in that area because we're in the inner city. Um, but, you know, I stayed grounded. I don't know why. The Holy Spirit, Spirit did all the work, of course. Mm. And uh, I went to Mass, not necessarily every Sunday with my mom, but enough for me to uh, remember a lot of the things that were really going on. And, mm. and at, the, at the time, there were Benedictines there. And so, um, you know, if, if a Benedictine monk or priest gets a hold of you, it's, uh, you know, you're pretty well grounded. So my godfather and my confirmation sponsor um, wound up becoming a priest. And, you know, he and I have been in cahoots for a very long time. And we sometimes we go months without talking, but I've been really grounded and fortunate to have someone that that uh, walk with me spiritually, and I'm and I'm pretty sure he's praying for me in a, in a strong way on a regular basis. And ironically, I think I was like 15, 14 or 15, and I got a job at the parish to open doors and answer phones. Oh wow! It was for three dollars an hour. So, <laughs> oh my so gosh! That, so that was again, that was something that kept me, you know, engaged with what was happening with the parish. Yeah. And a lot of those things have played a significant role in my, my, my faith growth. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So you've been part of St. Scholastica pretty much your whole life? Yep, yep. That's such a gift. Wow. I feel like you don't hear that too often. And <laughs> People still belonging to their home parish in adulthood. Yeah. So what a gift. Wow. Um, so you mentioned in your testimony uh, this faith in the fire retreat that you went on. That was through your parish, right? Correct. Okay. And um, and And what... When was that, and, and what, what did the retreat kind of look like? That was, I want to say 2000, it's somewhere between 13 and 16. I can't remember so vague. <laughs> around that time, I was having, we were having children, and you know, okay. it was just like, like so much was happening. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a team from Houston that came. Oh, wow. Um, because the, the companions were from all over. The companions of the cross had, had uh-huh. come. And um, the, the the priest at the time, the pastor, Father Michael Sherry, he, I guess he had a connection with the, the growth of that retreat. Mm. And, you know, he, he knew that that was going to have a significant role on some people in the parish. Mm-hmm. So he would get in the pulpit and say, if you want to change your life, come to this retreat. And wow. he was very bold about that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people didn't like it. But, you know, it, he really took me under his wing. Mm. Um and I don't know why. I don't know how. Of course, the Holy Spirit does crazy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and I kind of hit it off because he was a stockbroker and I was in the real estate. Um, and, you know, he just said, hey, come to this retreat. Wow. It's, it, it will change your life. And that's absolutely what happened. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the treat, retreat still goes on today. Okay. Um, we try to do it at least once a year. Um, it's gotten bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. Um, but there are lives that are really changed with this retreat. So I, if if anybody gets the opportunity to come to the Faith and the Fire of the Holy Spirit retreat, I really encourage anybody to do that. What happened to you at that retreat? Well, the first night, um, there were prayers and hymns that were going on. And I tell people all the time, it's like it really felt like the presence of the enemy was outside Mm. wanting to penetrate that room. And that, of course, had a lot to do with the demons that I had, you mm. know, the evils that I had. And it was just like, you know, it was it was just not going to happen. The Holy Spirit was just really filled up in that room. And now I think back, it it felt like, like I'm pretty sure, like the upper room had felt. Mm-hmm. Because because when when 
when the enemy experiences um, a life-changing encounter getting ready to happen, and don't get me wrong, I'm not an exorcist or anything, but uh, he doesn't want that to to take place. Mm. You know, it's, there's going to be a lot of encounter that you're going to have with with spiritual battles, and and I felt that that very first night. So. Mm. When the first night happened, um, there was a lot of prayers. There was one particular um, letter that was wrote. I don't want to give it away because you're not supposed to tell everything <laughs> that goes on. But um, that was read, and and it, it really touched my heart, mm-hmm. you know, and it just really opened me up. So the first night, um, it, it really broke a lot of pieces apart. Mm-hmm. And then the second day, of course, as you all know, there's there's always confessions at retreats. Mm-hmm the confessions just put everything in place. Mm-hmm. And then then the, eventually we rolled into, later on in a retreat, the uh, the experience of adoration. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I had ever experienced adoration. So I'm in my mid-30s, like, what is going on, you know? So it, it, it just, the Lord really just brought everything together mm-hmm. during that retreat for me. So what, what was different before compared to be, before you went on that retreat? Well, you know, I, I I had very much experience with Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been reading my Bible since I was in my early 20s, and it was just reading, though. Mm-hmm. But I didn't necessarily have any studying, but um, it was one of those things where you heard so many things in our faith, but it really didn't pierce my heart. Mm-hmm. But those those words in the retreat, whether it be written uh, written or um, something that was said in a talk, the pieces began to really fall into place, mm-hmm. and it was just it was unique because you know everybody's experience is different. But you know, prior to that, it was just kind of like words on paper, going to mass and going through the motions, and it started to make sense. It, it, it was like you know sometimes we we go to classes or we go to college and. You know, you're just doing it just to get a degree, and some of the things may make sense, but it was like, like I said earlier about um, having gone to religious class, it was like, no, there's so much more, mm-hmm. and now it's we're putting it all together. Mm-hmm. And as you were sitting in the pew before going on the retreat, and Father Michael says, you know, this retreat can change your life or will change your life, did you believe him? <laughs> um, it was hard not to mm-hmm. because, you know— there was little things that he did that that would help me, you know, and along that way. Um, thinking that it would change my life was like, I'm like, well, Lord, I, I'm, I wasn't at the time all in mm-hmm. until after the retreat really started to happen. But I was kind of like, you know, what I got to lose, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it could it could actually do what he's saying. So mm-hmm. so I was like, you know. I gotta believe this guy. Of mm-hmm. of course, we don't know what it's gonna look like on the out, on the other side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I had I kind of had no choice but to say, yeah, it, <laughs> it could change my life. You know, it may put a few thousand dollars in my pocket. That's, that's <laughs> the type of things I'm thinking about. Yeah. You know, taking care of a family. Yeah. yeah, and we're never quite sure when those conversion moments can happen, right? And mm-hmm. just thinking about your own story, you know, growing up at Saint Scholastica, but then um, you know having the presence of the Benedictines, but then they depart and. You know the, the companions mm-hmm. of Christ, uh, companions of the cross, come into the parish, and you develop this relationship with Father, and He invites the parish to a retreat that could potentially change your life. You go on this retreat, and it changes your life. And we just we just see how th- just the Lord works 
you know, how, how he's so good to us and, and just all along the way is with us and surprises us mm-hmm. when yeah. we least expect it. It's amazing because, like you said, having the Benedictines and then segueing into the Companions, they're kind of really different. You know, the Benedictines are, they're, they're monks, they're, you know, they're, they don't come outside very much. You know, they, of course, they visit the schools and things like that. And even, they may walk the streets with people, but some of them don't drive. Mm. You know, they're they're very uh, reserved a little bit. And the companions are almost the complete opposite. They're very <laughs> charismatic. You know, there's music and, and I don't, I don't want to say dancing. Well, people may dance, but you know <laughs> what I mean. It's but 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 how those two work together, like you said, mm. I think that's that's extremely unique because I've experienced both, and they've both helped my faith mm-hmm. a lot. Wow, what a gift! That's awesome. Um, so you kind of walked us through the the structure of the retreat, and it sounds like um, it was just kind of the best way to enter it. You know, start with the Holy Spirit, and then spending time uh, receiving the sacrament of confession. Um, and then you mentioned adoration. So can you share a little bit more about what that was like um, during this retreat experience? Yeah, I guess sometimes now I have to think back to what it was like to not be so deep into the faith that I am in now. Mm-hmm. And I really got to think about that because there's a lot of people who aren't where I'm at. So trying to explain it is, is weird. So like seeing the the priest hold up the host mm-hmm during the transubstantiation is happening, it's like everybody's looking up there like, okay, yeah, or whatever, you know? And that's kind of how it was before. It was really like just really going through the motions. Mm-hmm. But now it's the the experience of really being there with Jesus when he was breaking the bread, literally. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the the things that, that started to to make sense you know, paying attention to the, the what's really happening on the altar. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I do now a, a heck of a lot more than I used to. I just thought that there were just, you know, random things. And to a degree, it's like you would expect that if you don't really know what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's kind of where I was. And, you know, you got, we, we read the bulletin and we fumble through things. We write our check for the ties and things like that while all of this mm-hmm. stuff is going on. And it's just like, what does this really mean? Mm-hmm. And that's during it, during some time I was asking for that, and mm-hmm. that was actually before the retreat. Oh wow! You know, I ha- I did ask for it. I was like, what? Like, what am I doing here? Wow! So it it really started to help things fall into place because you got to have a docility in order for the Lord to 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 set things in place for you. And that's kind of mm-hmm. what I look back on now. I was like, what was I really doing all that time? But mm-hmm. I was just. I, I was in the right place. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I guess I just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So had you had an experience of adoration before that? No, that was the first time. That was the very first time. Um, I don't even know. I, I heard of the monstrance and mm-hmm. I've seen, I had seen pictures of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, and even if I did, I probably didn't even know, sure. you know. So I think that's a unique thing because my kids have probably experienced adoration. I don't know drastically amount of more times than I ever mm-hmm. did as, as a kid because, you know, all I did was go to Mass. So for them to have, you know, now experience adoration, it's like the, the reverence is different because mm-hmm. you kind of bridge the gap between, you know, going to Mass and receiving Jesus in the Eucharist to knowing that he's always present in the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. So that 
that kind of again that pulled everything together because you know the the, the tabernacle plays a, a part in it. Mm-hmm. Jesus always being present in every chapel, in every church in the uh, in the world. Yeah, and just knowing that okay, this is not for for nothing. Mm. You know this this everything that we do plays a part in uh, in our walk of faith, and not just not just the mass in in itself of of a uh, you know, a, a Sunday mass, but every single day, mm. you know, and Jesus always being present in these churches. It's like, it it, it just, it, it blew me away, mm-hmm. you know, once I learned all of that. Mm-hmm. And was this, this first moment or this first time that you went to adoration on this retreat, um, do you feel like there was, was there a profound moment? Was there something that clicked in that moment? Or was it just kind of the, the first time, um, in order to build a habit to continue going to adoration? Um, well, I think that it, it was because it took me a while to, to really look back on what happened mm. when, when the adoration happened, you know. But it, it, it kind of happened when I looked at having gone to adoration during that time and then experiencing the mass in a different way and then going to adoration continuously after that. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a gradual process, mm-hmm. you know, but I again, I didn't realize it when it was happening, but again, I had to look back and say, okay, that's what was going on and that's why all of these things kind of culminate the way that it did in the retreat so that, you know, I could take that understanding to uh to the mass and to adoration in the future. So those were the things that kind of domino effect, so mm-hmm. to speak, for me. Yeah, and I think that that's an important part of your story because so often we go to adoration and we feel as though nothing's happening or we, we're, we're not right. feeling a, a presence or we feel like we should be doing more or saying more or feeling more. Um, but it's not until after the fact that we look back upon that time and recognize just what a, a grace-filled time it was mm-hmm. because we, we were in the presence of the Lord. Um, he, he was with us in those moments, wherever we were. Um, and that has an effect on us. Like all, anytime we're in the presence of the Lord, it affects us and it changes us. Um, even if we, even if we don't feel it or, or understand it in the moment. So again, that's, that's a grace to be able to, to look back and to, to remember the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what were some of those effects? Like what did start to change? You mentioned, you know, bringing this kind of perspective of Jesus in the Eucharist to mass with you. Um, did you start making a habit of going to daily mass? What, what, did, what habits changed in your life following this experience, this encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist? Not long after that, the, um, the, the priest started a men's group. Um, awesome. and I, and I talked about that in the, in the, uh, in the, I am here mm-hmm. testimony that when when we would have our group, it would be six thirty in the morning. Then we would go into yeah on Saturday. Oh my gosh! Yeah, super early. <laughs> and then uh, we would go into uh, a Saturday morning mass at eight a.m. And after that, there would be uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. I think for two or three hours. So that again, that extended everything yeah. to not only. Uh, Knowing what it what was happening, mm-hmm. but it gave me the opportunity and in this broad space to just sit at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, with that opportunity, it was 
it, it, it was almost like it wasn't even encouraged. It was just like, it, it's there. It's, it's mm. you know, Saturday morning, there's not a whole lot going on for me. Um, I would just sit there for 30, 45 minutes. Wow. And, you know, sometimes I would just lay on the floor or even drift off to sleep, sometimes read scripture. There was a lot of different things that I would do. But um, there was ups and downs in my life that I was just like, you know, this is where I want to be regardless of what's happening in the world. So it it gave me that that longevity to know that like I wasn't doing this for just like I'm gonna do this to gain something, mm. or for a period of time to to get to where I want to be in life. It was like no, this is literally where I want to be, and that was because you know again so many things had just started to fall into place. You know the men's group was helping me out and becoming an adult. You know, mm-hmm. and then. I was experiencing an additional mass outside of Sunday mass. Mm. So with that, it just, again, it it, it gave me a broad space Mm -hmm. to be able to allow the Lord to work on me. So now I look back and it's just like, okay, now I understand some of the things that have gone on. So taking that time is really the most important part for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And being a part of that community, that community of brothers, you know, um, to have people to hold you accountable uh, and just just people, other men who are are striving for the same thing that you are, um, and, and that's holiness. And and as men, um, it's really important that we have those those communities to walk with us and to accompany us. Um, so can can you just speak a little bit about the importance that the that the men's or the role that the men's group pr- played for you? Well, it was significant because a lot of these guys are older than actually all of them are older than me, um, and. I just happened to be the guy that had the key to get into the building to to host everything. So um, I I grew a lot in that, you know, and I mean, not just as a a parishioner that was, um, you know, doing what needed to be done, but they kind of elected me as a leader, so to speak. And I'm just like, that's not me. I'm not I'm just I'm just here just because everybody else is, you know, so. That played a big role because they kind of like pushed me into that role, but at the same time they were like, "Well, you facilitate this, you guide us, and and this that." But the the accountability was it it helped grow um, a small group of individuals, and I saw growth in them, and they saw growth in me. But I think I was probably the one that was growing the most out of anybody because, of course, me being the youngest, it was uh, it it played a big part. And they looked at me as equal, you know, and I did the same with them. You know, we, we shared a lot of different stories. And I, I I tend to think that, you know, we saw each other as like um, a group of disciples and apostles, you know, that were around just having random conversations. Because, of course, a lot of these things carried outside of that group. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of that time. But, you know, it, it would carry into breakfasts and, you know, times that we would meet and we would sit at the same table for Bible study and things like that. Beautiful. Um, I'm wondering, so you said you have three young boys. Um, yep. So as, as a father who is in love with the Lord and as a father who is striving for holiness, um, how, do you, how do you encourage them, teach them, model for them just the importance of faith? It's man, it's a it's a it's a long process. Um, a lot of times, I think being hands on is what I really want to do. But when I always think deeper about it, I always say that you know the best way for me 
to show them or to teach them is to really do it myself. Mm-hmm. And that's that's like, you know, if, I, if there's something that I want them to do, I got to do it first. You know, I can't expect them to um, just do everything that I tell them to do mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives, you know. And there's a few nuggets that I've given them. Like I'm saying, look, you guys, whatever you do throughout your life, go to Mass on Sunday. You know, that's that's something I just recently told them. Mm-hmm. But it's always been important to me to to really show uh, being a model, mm-hmm. you know, more than anything. Because um, children, they follow what you do um, and, and they hear what you say. But more so than anything, they're going to repeat what they've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what's most important. And, and it's when when you see them understanding certain things, that's one thing. But when you see them doing things on their own, that's totally different. Like the genuflecting mm. and, you know, the getting of the holy water and, and things like that. But that gives you an opportunity to explain the real truth about those things to them. Mm. And I think that's usually what, what I try to create is to really try to it, allow them to to grow on their own because they're all different and and experience Jesus in, in their own way. Mm-hmm. And whatever takes root, then I may step in and say, hey, this is why we do this. And and this is where where you, you've, you've adapted to the, I don't want to say repetition because it, it may seem like that, but it, we got to take advantage of, of, of knowing that, okay, they're doing the right thing, but we got to explain to them why. Yeah. yeah, and you mentioned that your your kids have had more opportunities to go to adoration than you ever did growing up, which I think is such a gift and that you've given them as as their father. So, um, can you share a little bit about what what those moments of adoration are like, bringing your sons to encounter Jesus in the Eucharist? Uh, well, that's probably one place where where they're just like they they really are going through the motions. They sure. don't, and and I think because. My oldest son, he actually did do do one of the I am here mm-hmm. uh testimonies. So he he did get a chance to uh to express a little bit about it. But again, by him doing that, it gave me the opportunity to to, to uh to further talk about it with him. Being in the middle of a Eucharistic revival, um it's perfect timing for that, you know, for them to experience it. Mm-hmm. So I think they're hearing it. You know, and, and it, it may not take root the same way that it did for me in that retreat. But I think at some point in time, the gears will start to click a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. again, it's it's all the Lord allowing that to happen when he wants it to. You know, right. us, us allowing the Lord to make it happen, you mm-hmm. know, but just putting him in a, in a position to to uh, let the Lord work. Right. But the same thing th- that happened to you, you know, in the moment um, you didn't really feel anything, like you said, in that first time of adoration. Um, but look how the Lord worked. And, you know, like mm-hmm. for your boys, just being there, seeing that it's important to you, they're going to remember that. They're, they're going to remember like this. I remember my dad taking me to adoration. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, the power and the impact that it had on his life. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it, it might be the case right now that, that they, they think or, or they feel like they're going through the motions. Um, but the Lord is present and blessing them mm-hmm. and he's doing something in their lives. So um, I just think you're, you are a wonderful model of true manhood and fatherhood um, and your boys are, are super blessed to have you guiding them. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I just am thinking of all the guests we've had come in here talk about 
growing up going through the motions. And so I'm just thinking about, you know, your sons 10, 20 years from now are going to have these powerful testimonies because of these seeds that you've kind of um, planted just to, to lead them to the Lord. It's such a gift. It's such a such a gift that you've given them. Um, so I'd love to know uh, just about your, your own personal uh, devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist today. Why is it important to you to spend time with Jesus? You've talked a little bit about linking mass and adoration. Why is it important to you to spend time in adoration, whether that's on your own or with your kids, um, in addition to going to mass? It's, I feel like I need to bounce everything off of him, you know, <laughs> like literally. Um, it It's actually grown even in the last six months a little bit because I've experienced spiritual desolation. And although I'm not there right now, I know that there's going to be a period of time where I may experience again, where I feel like Jesus isn't there. Mm. Um, and that's that's kind of what what keeps me not necessarily going, because I think going now is almost automatic. Like it, it just I'm just that drawn to experience Jesus in, in, in adoration. But kind of what to expect mm. is is what is what I'm thinking about when I go to adoration now. You know, like, am I going to get a direct response? Because there's times where I've gotten direct responses to certain things. Like, I'm getting ready to make a big purchase, and there's a car, and it's like I'm just I'm just moved in a way that it has to be the Holy Spirit moving in me. You know, and I'm like, again, getting a car may be a, a big deal to some and not a big deal to others, but there's been times where I'm afraid to do things because I don't want it to be outside of God's will. Mm. So those are the things that, that bring me to him because, you know, there are things that I want to do and I want permission, just like I'm asking a regular father, you know? So, and, and, and I know that, that, um, Jesus has taken everything to his father Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, this is what Jason wants. (laughs) So you gotta, I'm like, look, let, let dad know so we can talk about this and and we'll see what happens. It's so mystical. Mm -hmm. It, It really is not knowing what to expect, but knowing that, you know, there's a lot of things that I can bring to him um, and not knowing what I'm going to take away. Mm. You know, it's 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 a it's a miracle to that. We actually have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it's also a miracle to look back on what's actually happened because you've spent that time with Jesus. And that's what I usually get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We always like to, to end these times together just asking you what your words of encouragement would be to other people who um, may might never have gone to Eucharistic Adoration before or, um, yeah, might just be, be afraid because they don't know what to do or what's going to happen. Man, if, I, if I can give anybody some encouragement is to fight for one hour, mm-hmm. regardless of when that may be or, or how it can happen. Once it becomes consistent, really, really give it to the Lord for a, a distant period of time. You know, I know that it's, it's really difficult to to, uh, you know, whether you're a parent or you got things going on in life. Um, if you map out a full calendar week and you can find one hour and you can find an adoration chapel, fight for that time and know that if you can spend, I don't know, try maybe 90 days or something like that mm-hmm. once a week. If you can fight for that time, that that will it, that will probably change your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't even say probably. It's, it's almost guaranteed because you bring everything to him and just lay it all at his feet and 
don't have don't have minimal expectations. Just expect everything to happen because it's his grace, you know, because the the mass has given us so much. But the peace that I get from adoration is is it's it's me and him. You know, mass is about the community. You know, it's about the communion and everybody being there. Of course, Jesus and the angels and saints and our blessed mother are listening to us then. But when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, it's literally just him and us, you know, him and me by ourselves. And we're just communicating as though there's nobody there but us, you know. So fighting for that one hour and just giving him a long period of time to work on us. I think that's what I would encourage anybody to do. Great advice. Thank you so much, Jason. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're really grateful to have you and for your willingness to share. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.